0: There is no better symbol for the month of October than the pumpkin. While pumpkins are wildly used throughout the fall season to decorate the home, many people associate them with Halloween. Nowadays, pumpkins have expanded from the traditional orange jack-o'-lantern pumpkin into a wide variety of shapes, colors, and even textures. To find out more about pumpkins, I called up my good friend and co-worker, Brandon Bell. Now, Brandon serves as the Metcalfe County Extension Agent for Agriculture and Natural Resources, and he also has several years' experience with growing pumpkins here in Kentucky. While talking to him, I discovered tips for selecting the best pumpkin and how to properly store them at home. But what I didn't expect to learn was the best way and more efficient way for carving my jar lantern pumpkin at home. So to find out this secret to carving pumpkins this season, make sure to stay right here on the Sunshine Gardening Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. This gardening show will equip and inspire avid gardeners with weekly tips and tricks to help them navigate the gardening world. The show will also highlight specific growing requirements for several plants so the sun will shine brighter over their Kentucky garden. And now, here is that ray of sunshine, garden enthusiast and horticulture extension agent, Kristen Hildebrand, with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service.
0: Today on the podcast, we're very excited and pleased to feature Brandon Bell, He is the Extension Agent in Metcalfe County for Agriculture and Natural Resources. I'm very excited to have Brandon. He's gonna be talking to us a little bit more about pumpkin varieties and ways that you can help them last during the season. Glad to have you on the show with us today, Brandon.
2: Glad to be here. Fall is here. That means pumpkin season is here. It's time to decorate start putting out those fall scenes, and the weather's beginning to cool up, and that just puts us in the fall spirit, and nothing says fall to me like pumpkins.
0: Yes, I always have fond memories about going to pick out the pumpkins, especially when you talk about jack-o'-lantern, carving that for the season. That was always something as a child I look forward to. Brandon, you know, a lot of people know you as the extension agent for agriculture, but you actually have a lot of years of experience where you've actually grown pumpkins to sell here in Kentucky, is that right?
2: I started growing pumpkins long before I was an extension agent. I started growing pumpkins when I was in high school. I actually started growing peppers on the school farm as a FFA project. And then the next year I grew pumpkins and peppers, and then I never grew another pepper. I enjoyed growing the pumpkins. It was it was easier, it was more profitable, and it's just something that, that at the time seemed odd. Here we've got this high school kid out here growing and wholesaling pumpkins, because it didn't seem like at that time there were that many people in the area doing it. We had family and, and some neighbors in the north end of the county that were doing it back in the, the mid-90s, but they're just, it, it wasn't that popular. But pumpkins have grown in popularity. You know, used to we used to think of of pumpkin season being from the fifteenth of October till the time we carved our jack o' lantern, and now people usually start putting them out. The, even I've seen them out the last week of August, first week of September.
0: Wow, that's early too, Brandon. Like whenever you started, I didn't. I don't guess I realized you started as a high school student. Did you start out kind of small?
2: I started out with uh, I think my first crop was an acre.
0: Okay. And to me, that's a lot of things to manage, especially as a high schooler, too.
2: Yeah, and I just kept growing my business and putting out more and more, and I got up to most I ever grew, I think was 24 acres. But uh, that was pretty miserable, to be honest with you. And I I don't don't do that anymore. But one thing, I mean, I I still grow pumpkins, but not at that level. But one thing that that this has allowed me to do is I, I can take what I've learned as a grower over the years I can look at the mistakes I've made, at the successes that I've had, and I can couple that with my job as an extension agent. And I can use practical experience and and research together to try to help people learn how to grow a better pumpkin crop. And I work with people all over the state on a one-on-one basis throughout the season. I have taught some statewide classes, live and virtual, at some fruit and vegetable conferences, and I enjoy it. I think maybe I talk too much about pumpkins. Somebody can call and ask me a question, and 30 minutes later, I'm still answering their question. So, it's just something that it's sort of a part of me and has been since I was a teenager.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you elaborated more about your experiences with growing pumpkins, and I know that there are a lot of different varieties of pumpkins that are available to the public to actually purchase. So could you tell us a little bit more about some of the different varieties and what trends you might have noticed with some of those? Because it's like you said, you've seen people decorate with pumpkins probably earlier on in the season. Right. And then and then it gets down to that jack-o'-lantern that's closer to that Halloween date.
2: I keep going to back in the day, but back uh, in, in the mid-90s when I sort of ventured into this, People grew and jack-o'-lanterns, and that was pretty much what you saw. You might have seen a small pie pumpkin like a cannonball or something like that that kids would pick up on a field trip. But it seemed to me like, at least in our area, it was pretty much orange. And that was sort of what you thought of when you thought of a pumpkin. But now there are so many different varieties that are, are being produced and sold in our area. The trend, it's, it's sort of early on like early September, people want different colors. They want stackable pumpkins. They want things that are decorative, that complement their fall scene, their fodder, their straw, things like that. And then as we move closer to Halloween, they start to get more orange in there. So, you know, the trend has been stackables and colors, and I can just sit here off the top of my head and name several different varieties that may be pink, blue, black. There are large white pumpkins that look like a, one of the varieties is New Moon. One of them is Polar Bear. And if you look at them, you can see why they're named that. It's just a great big, huge white pumpkin. So I said pink, blue, black, white, green, yellow, orange, red. There's all kinds of, of, of different colors out there. And And who would have thought a few years ago that we would have a a pink pumpkin. But the first pink pumpkin was developed that I know of was called a porcelain doll. And if you grew that pumpkin, you had to sign a contract that you would give a certain percent of your proceeds back to breast cancer awareness. And that is how the pink pumpkin came about, uh, to my knowledge. But a lot of these varieties that I've talked about in these different colors, you can stack them especially the orange or sort of burnt orange or red Cinderella. They're stackable there. You can stack the blue pumpkins. You can stack the white. And a lot of retailers will sell you a pumpkin by the stack. Instead of buying an individual pumpkin, you can buy a stack of pumpkins. And this is kind of a funny story. I had a, a little retail store that I set up for a few years and sold a lot of stackable pumpkins. And I had a former teacher of mine come out, and there were four or five stacked on top of each other like a pyramid with the large one at the bottom, and as it went to the top, it got smaller, and she asked me if they grew like that or if I stacked them like that. So it's, it's pretty intriguing. Some of the things that you see done with pumpkins and some of the questions that you might get asked are interesting.
0: Yeah, one of the, I'm hoping you'll be able to expand upon this one a little bit. I know you know way more about the varieties than what I do, but there's even some new textures of pumpkins, correct? On like the, is there one that's kind of warty looking? There's
2: a warty goblin. there's, There's peanut pumpkins. There's pumpkins that actually looks like a peanut is growing out of the pumpkins. I don't know if you've seen those or not. But they're called peanut pumpkins. And it literally looks like a peanut, a whole peanut in the hole embedded in the pumpkin.
0: Well, that's interesting. And then the Cinderella pumpkins, are they a lot like the stackable pumpkins that you were talking about?
2: I would call the Cinderella the original stacker. That's what people started stacking. But then they started incorporating some of the colors. And there, Chris and I have pulled up a picture of a peanut pumpkin on my phone here
0: I want for, to you, see that. for you
2: to see. Yeah, and you know, it, it doesn't really seem that pretty to me. But I guess when you put it with a lot of others and mix them in together, it has its place.
0: Well, like you said, a lot of people complement their pumpkins against the different textures of like the mums and the, the corn stalks, and and it just like you said, it makes a really really nice fall display. Now, whenever we're looking at all these different varieties, say, and, you know, whether it being an agritourism destination or the individual farm, what characteristics of things would allow us to pick out the best pumpkin to take home?
2: You want, well, I mean, if if you're looking at at stackables, you want to get pumpkins that sort of match each other. The flatter they are, the more stackable they they tend to be. Some of your blue pumpkins are not exactly flat. They're kind of bowl-shaped, which allows them to be stacked too, but usually what you want to do is maybe put a Cinderella on the bottom and then put a bowl-shaped one in the middle and maybe set a little pie pumpkin in the top of it. So look at things that are naturally going to fit together as far as what you're wanting to do. A jack-o'-lantern, one of the things that you're looking for is shape. Will it set on its own or does it lay on the side with the stem down? And you can cure that problem when you go to carve the pumpkin. We'll talk about that later by cutting the bottom of it off, but your jack-o'-lantern when you buy it, it's going to be setting for a while before you carve into it because it's not going to last that long after you do. So you want something that will set up. There are some varieties that a large percentage of those pumpkins will not set up with the stem upright. So make sure that uh, they're ripe. Make sure they've got a a good color to them. Make sure they've got a hard texture as, as far as the vine. If you can stick your fingernail down on, uh, not the vine, the rind. If you can stick your fingernail down on the rind and just barely touch it and leave an imprint, it's not hardened off. It's not ripe. So make sure that it's hardened off. It's ripe, especially on the jack-o'-lanterns. You want to make sure they've got a good, firm, stout green stem if possible. Now, some stems will have a little bit of gray on there. Sometimes that that happens. In wet years, there's a something called plectosporium that will turn some gray, turn some stems a little bit gray, but they harden off and do just fine. The main thing you don't want is a shriveled up or soft stem. As long as the stem is good and firm, try to not pick the the pumpkin up by the stem. It's very tempting to do that, but I've seen a lot of agritourism venues or retail places where people have gone and they have picked up four or five pumpkins to see which one they liked the best, and they may have broke three handles off in the process. So be careful doing that, be respectful to the person that's that's trying to sell it, but uh, pick them up, look and see what fits together as far as a stack, get something with a good shape and color to it, and especially on the jack-o'-lanterns, a good stem.
0: Yeah, um, I'm glad you talked about this stem, because if you don't have a good stem, it seems like it deteriorates faster.
2: It does. and later on in the you know early in the season the stems are going to be green they're going to look good they're going to look good and healthy and the later we go into the season the worse stems are going to start looking as far as w- what you go to buy but they don't have to last as long if you buy them late in the season too but a good stem is uh, the the key especially on a jack-o-lantern pumpkin if if the stem starts to get soft then it will rot. you know start from the top down usually
0: Now, as far as helping uh, these pumpkins last, help them last during the season, what things could we do uh, once we do get them home to help them have a longer display, especially if we're just using them to decorate the house with?
2: Well, if we're going to carve them, we need to wait as late as we can to carve them, because once you open that flesh up in the pumpkin, it's going to start to deteriorate. But um, keep them under a roof in a shady spot. Water will cause them to, to start to rot, the sun will cause sunburn, sunscald, and deterioration. So if you can keep them in a cool, shady, dry spot, they'll last a long time. Another thing you can do is uh, you can clean the pumpkin with a 1% bleach solution. That helps remove bacteria and other things that can cause decay. Uh, you can 1% bleach, the rest would be water. And you can spray that pumpkin or rub it down with that solution, and that will help it to last longer too. I have actually talking about making one last you know if a pumpkin is in good shape when you when you buy it if it's been taken care of and the disease has been managed during the production process and it doesn't have a disease stem they can last a long time I actually kept one in a basement one time from October until the following June of the next year so depending on the environment they were in you know it was in a cool, dry, shaded environment, and it just lasted a long time.
0: That's a long time, especially to have a pumpkin. Now, what tips do you have on it besides, you had mentioned earlier about the jack-o'-lantern pumpkins cutting it from the bottom?
2: Right, well, anytime you expose the internal flesh of fruit, vegetable, or whatever, it's gonna start to decay. One thing that I've learned over the years is the jack-o'-lantern will last longer if you don't cut the top out of it, but if you cut the bottom out of it. Because if you think about it, if it starts decaying at the top, that decay can easily move down into the pumpkin, but it's harder for decay to move up into the pumpkin. So if you will cut that bottom off of the pumpkin, it just makes things easier. Think about putting your candle in a pumpkin. If you cut the top off and you try to get the candle down in there and you stick the lighter down in there, ultimately you're gonna burn your hand. Why not set the candle on the porch, light the candle, stick the pumpkin over it? If you cut the bottom out, you can do that. Also, if you've got a pumpkin that doesn't wanna set on its bottom good, you can shape that bottom flat and you can cut the bottom off and just let it set where you've made that cut and it'll, it'll set flat too and they'll last longer.
0: Well, I'm glad you shared that tip with us today. And to end the show, I do have one other question I wanna ask you. Do you have a favorite pumpkin out of the many years that you've been growing pumpkins? Is there one that just sticks out or maybe you have good memories attached to that particular variety?
2: I actually like the old fashioned field pumpkin, autumn buckskin. It's a Dickinson hybrid and it's what people used to call cow pumpkins. And years ago, people would plant corn and they would mix pumpkin seed in with their corn, and they would grow pumpkins, and they would grow corn as a companion crop. And then they would go along, and they would hand-pick their corn, and when they were picking that corn, they would also load the pumpkins on the wagon. And they would actually bust the pumpkins up and feed it to cattle. Cattle, once they acquire a taste for pumpkins, if you can bust it and make it convenient for them to eat, they will eat pumpkin like they're going. They're starving to death.
0: Well, they eat the seed, too?
2: They'll eat about everything, yes. Uh So, I like the old-fashioned cow pumpkin. Autumn buckskin is the variety that I grow. It is basically the same pumpkin that you would get in a can of Libby's pumpkin, or I say Libby's because Libby's produces 85% of the U.S. canned pumpkin. They use a Dickinson, and the autumn buckskin that I'm talking about is a Dickinson hybrid.
0: Well, I have learned a lot just from having you on the podcast today. So thank you for all the tips today, and we hope to have you back in the future. Thank you, Brandon. All right. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on tips for the best pumpkin. Thank you to Brandon Bell for being our guest on the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. To view the show notes for episode 18, make sure to visit me on the blog at Warren County Agriculture. You can find us at www.warrencountyagriculture.com. Thanks for listening, gardeners. As always, keep digging into gardening
1: and remember to add a little sunshine. Thanks for listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast with Kristen Hildebrand. If you enjoyed today's content, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to catch future segments of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Gardeners, keep on digging and learning more about gardening so the sun shines brighter over your Kentucky garden. The Sunshine Gardening Podcasts with Kristen Hildebrand is a production of the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service.